Hello listeners, and welcome back to another week on My Sister Made Me View It miscellaneous feed. Currently covering Our Flag Means Death Season 1, I've Seen It All, This is Emily's First Time, and we're going to talk about it. So if you enjoy listening to Emily and I read and talk, watch and talk, talk and talk, we have two other podcast feeds, one of which covers Brandon Sanderson's Stormlight Archive, and the other covers the 1999 Roswell television series. You can find the feeds for both of those on our website, sismademeviewit.com. But first, uh, you should listen to this episode you've already clicked on. So, grab your drink, grab your snack, sit back, and enjoy us talking through another episode of Our Flag Means Death. Take it away, theme song. Good, good, good morning, everyone. Please welcome me for her Our Flag Means Death review. The redhead of the Highlands. <laughs> the, the cream of the Lloyd family sisters. <laughs> the lady podcaster. And now, Emily, I need you to say hi, all. Hi, all. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome back to My Sister Made Me View It Miscellaneous Covering Our Flag Means Death. This episode, we will be covering Season 1, Episode 3, A Gentleman Pirate. In this episode, Steed tries to hawk a booty. <laughs> Jim is back. Uh, Jim is back for revenge bonus action, and we get our first glimpse of Blackbeard. It was so good! It was so good! Uh, Emily, what were your first impression of this episode? Oh, it's so good! Mm-hmm. So I know we talked a little bit about it in the, the last episode where, like, the second episode was still very good, but it's we're still trying to introduce people and kind of get a feel for this, but I, I feel like episode three just, like, was really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we'll talk about it, obviously, but yes, the way they introduce Blackbeard's character through three episodes yeah. is just brilliant slow the slow build the slow burn (laughs) the slow beard (laughs) no the slow burn i know i know you said slow burn and then i said slow beard you're doing a bit i get it i get i get it hello i am an hilarious sister and i like to do the bits the bits the bits all right so we are going to begin with izzy in Blackbeard's office, which is very, very different from Steed's captain's cabin. Very atmosphery. Yeah. We got these nice volumetric like, beams of light and Yeah. There's like smoke that fills all of it because from from what we've seen in the past, I guess, you know, Black we talked about like Blackbeard and the smoke and his beard and all of these things. And I really like that we come into his cabin and it's his like that's his personality like you've got steeds captain's quarters Mm -hmm. and that's a clear reflection of who he is and then here's blackbird blackbeard and you just walk in and you're like immediately oh i know what kind of person this is 
Blackbeard smoking on his real long pipe. (laughs) (laughs) Wants to know about the gentleman pirate. (laughs) Forced the rhyme. Izzy hands is pissed off. (laughs) Uh, Blackbeard's moment has arrived. Yeah. For those of you new to my sister made me view it. I like to make up song lyrics to basically any time. It's so frustrating that she's so good at it. (laughs) I'm not frustrated that it happens. I just sit here and I get mad because I'm like, if I were put on the spot, I'd be like, "Uh, there's a. uh." (laughs) So pre-pandemic, I don't know if it's if it's still going on, but I never made it. But my friends invited me a couple times to something called Broadway Improv where the whole night is this, where they give you a Broadway song and a topic and you're supposed to improv lyrics to a pre-existing Broadway song. And I'm like, I think I could crush everyone. <laughs> you could. So, so far, we've heard uh, a torture scene from Roswell set to Dear Evan Hansen. We've heard that was on our Roswell podcast. What was the one you did? I, where I do a lot of Beauty and the Beast in our Way of Kings podcast, and I just did a Matilda spoof on Way of Kings as well. Hi, hi, princess. I'm a miracle. Anyway, we're getting off topic. I want to talk more that not just the setup of Blackbeard's office is different, but how he and Izzy are stationed and speaking. So we've had scenes with Lucius and Jim and Olu so far in steve's cabin and they get to sit on the couch with him you know there's nice plush furniture it's an inviting space that's meant for multiple people like i think steed would love to throw a party in his captain's cabin but here izzy is standing behind the desk and blackbeard is seated with his back to izzy and the audience at this point we still don't get a full face reveal and Line number one of this episode that lives rent-free in my head. There's three of them in particular. No, four that I just find myself saying to myself all the time. Izzy saying, hey, this isn't worth your time. And Blackbeard's like, no, you need, you know, I want you to go after Steed Bonnet. And Izzy says, oh, Edward, can't we just send the boys? And I love that line for some reason. But okay, Meg... I was asking, so Blackbeard's sitting there with literally like a two foot long pipe Uh and he's blowing smoke rings. Is that Taika blowing smoke rings or is that CGI? I don't know. I don't know. I wish I knew. I bet he could. He's so talented. (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking about Jojo Rabbit before we started recording and how much we both love that movie. Yeah, and it's interesting to see Taika as a more serious, as a serious character, not even more serious, mm-hmm. just Blackbeard's pretty grim. Yes, thank you. But you've got, okay. you know, Jojo Rabbit and Thor and, you know, the what we what do, we in, do the in the shadows. shadows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I really love seeing, I mean, that's obviously the mark of a very good actor, though you can act, okay? I get it. I get it. I get it. He has range. <laughs> <laughs> acting but it's really fun to see this other side this other acting side of him and mm-hmm. i just <clears throat> i really like blackbeard already yeah so blackbeard ship has been following the revenge since they left the previous island 
Mm-hmm. And they're a few hundred yards out. And Izzy's like, okay, should we open fire? Should we kill them all? Throw them to the sharks? How are we going to murder every single person on that ship? Because I hate Steve Bonnet so much. <laughs> and Blackbeard's like, wait till they make landfall and then invite him aboard. A parlay. <laughs> So he's a fancy man with a fancy ship. He doesn't ship, say that. And he travels with a brigade of imbeciles. Do I have that right? And. And. You say it, Emily. He bested you at swordplay. And that's what Blackbeard says to Izzy. And Izzy's just like, I am going to murder this man. I mean, that's written clearly on his face. Right? Because, okay, in our in our introduction we had of Izzy, one of the first things he does is do a fancy swashbuckle. And he slashes open Steed's shirt. So I think Izzy's very proud of his sword fighting prowess. Yeah, as he should be. And, you know, I think it feels like he's mad because Steed did kind of trick them. I mean, he didn't really mm-hmm. do any sword play. They did not cross blades. Yeah. But to have Blackbeard, his captain, think him an imbecile, quote unquote, you know, to to see that, oh, someone's better than you. Yeah, that is going to uh, spark some jealousy. Yeah. Izzy, I want you to handle this personally. Oh, Edward, can't we just send the boys? Me, would I have to do any chores at my own house? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Blackbeard says, no, I want this done right. After all, he is a gentleman. We want to make... He's heard of him! We want to make a good impression yeah i want to know like what has it what has caught blackbeard's attention is it oh this guy is giving pirates a bad name or oh i've never heard of something like this i'm very intrigued Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know evelyn what's on the title card this week it's a skull it's a straight on shot of a skull with our flag means death carved into the forehead part of it which means it will last forever and not get wasted by the ocean. <laughs> Unless the ship goes down. I'm going to talk about Steed's ready room Great. a little bit more. All right. It's go. so open and there's so much light inside of it. Just the complete opposite of Blackbeard's. I mean, you can see everything clearly. There's a harpsichord. It's it's like the parlor. It is the parlor of a gentleman. Mm-hmm. Okay, you do your thing. My HBO Max froze. I can't. I'll keep talking. But yeah, it just looks like it's it's the it looks like it's a a sitting room or a home inside of a house. It doesn't look like you're on a ship. It's kind of a escape from reality almost a little bit mm-hmm. where unless you look out the window, you wouldn't know you were at sea. I mean, there's lace doilies and tablecloths and a, you know, lit chandeliers and the little plant is sitting (laughs) and it looks better it looks a little better than it did two chandeliers that's overkill (laughs) and wall sconces all right here's fun trivia and the very next scene we have uh steed talking to frenchy who's his stenographer for the week and steed is looking at two woodcuts inside of a book and he's labeled them as Blackbeard and Captain Kidd. So I'm not entirely sure who the pirate is pictured on the left. But the pirate pictured on the right with that very tall forehead and the, the curls coming down. That is actually a woodblock of Steed Bonnet. That is oh. the image that is an actual historical image of the gentleman pirate. 
that. Yeah. But going back to Steed's love for books and his love for for stories and everything, he is talking to Frenchie and pretending he's reading about some famous pirates. And he, he lists Blackbeard, Captain Kidd, and the Gentleman Pirate. And uh, Emily, we did not see a lot of Frenchie in the last episode. We did it. I was going to bring that up. And this scene is Frenchie's time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> because Steed asks him, what are your opinions on these pirates? He's like, oh, the first two sound like real pirates. He's like, I have no idea who that third guy is, though. And then he's like, oh, it's you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Because Steed um, says, oh, he's a real killer. And Frenchie's like, yeah, yeah. But instead of killing with weapons, he kills with kindness. (laughs) (laughs) Just Frenchie's facial expression where he's just like, it's you. (laughs) So, Emily, why is Frenchie doing Steed's journal? Okay, I was worried because, well, they can't find Lucius. <laughs> and they're on sea. And Captain's just like, I hope we find him. And I'm like, you haven't even looked. <laughs> but on the left side of the page is like this very neat, neat calligraphy in like very straight lines. Everything's very beautifully done. And then Frenchie's doing his best, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's doing his best. He cannot write. And so he's drawn pictures of what they've been talking about. And instead of saying, I can't do this, he he tries to do use what skills he has in order to, you know, do what his captain has asked of him. So, Emily, what, looking at Frenchie's artwork, what stories do you think he's depicting of our adventures? I think it's the island because there's this, there's a sun up in the corner with some little V's done for seagulls. And then there's a picture of an island and a picture of a boat. And then there's two people facing each other with daggers. So I'm assuming that is Steed and Izzy facing off. I can't quite see what's at the bottom. Just that there's someone... It's it's a pirate figure with his hands up in the air. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, When you said V's for seagulls, I just had a visceral flashback to kindergarten. (laughs) I liked to draw my birds in the sky as W's instead of M's. Okay. And my kindergarten teacher like would chide me for it. She would pull me aside and be like, Megan, your birds are flying upside down if they're W's. And me, an avid watcher of Animal Planet and Rescuers Down Under, I was like, no, this is the part where their wings are coming down. They're pushing so hard that the ends of the feathers are up. And so I would like demonstrate it with my own arms to be like, it's a W. And she was like, that's wrong. You have to draw your birds the other way. I, that was like the first time I think that my uh, supervillain artist thoughts came out. I'm like, I'll show them someday. I'll show them all. So justice for me, Megan, who wanted to draw my birds as W's instead of as the letter M. (laughs) And then here's me who would never put a toe out of line. (laughs) 
And look at us now. You a writer. Look at us now. Me a artist and other things. We're all other. <laughs> we're, we're lots of things. Um, anyway, back to uh, Steed and Frenchie. Um, Steed's being a little nice, but you can tell <laughs> he's also pretty ticked off about this because as we saw in the first episode, Steed wants this record to be perfect. Remember he he ripped out the page where Lucius was talking about mutiny or like a mis, you know stuff that reflected badly on Steed and so I, I don't think he's quite pleased with Frenchie's drawings. But Frenchie's pleased with Frenchie's drawings. Yeah. There's no words on there at all. No, cuz I've drawn them right. Uh, but he's he's happy to keep Frenchie along until we just find Lucius. I hope he's not dead. That could be bad for morale. And the vibes on the boat. They're very concerned about the boat vibes. Yes, because Emily, who's bringing down, who's bringing down the vibe of the whole ship right now? This poor hostage who has just been baking in the sun. And I, as a redhead, just... That's the most horrible thing I could think of. Uh, I love that his wig is still on. (laughs) Listen, do you remember when we went to San Diego as sisters? Mm -hmm. And partway through the day, I'm like, it's hot. I need some shade. And everyone's like, just put more sunscreen on. (laughs) And I fried so bad. All of us did. But I'm just saying, as a redhead, what I ended up doing is I put my shirt on and pulled my arms into my shirt to try and protect myself from the sun because we didn't have any shade. Did you put more sunscreen on? I did. My skin just like slurps it up. I need like SPF a thousand. So uh, something that I've been using at the Ren Fair and just at the beach every time I've gone is I got this UV treated umbrella. So it's a UV blocking umbrella. Listen, my face perfectly unblemished and unsunburned. I got a little sun on my top deck. <laughs> <laughs> it's not super bad, but I I was Listen. like I just I was trying so hard not to get tan lines this year, and now I have my Renaissance dress neckline tan line, and I'm like, diddly darn it. Listen, I was on a work trip, and we were waiting outside for a cab for 15 minutes and I got sunburned. Not like blistered sunburned, but to the point where I'm just like, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> so this guy getting tied to a mast and made to stand outside, I'm like, I would I would literally die from this. You're delicate. I am. I'm a delicate flower. <laughs> Blossom. So they need to do something with the hostage. Time to brainstorm as a team. Uh, there are a few very very violent suggestions i i actually got super horrified by frenchie being like cut off all his limbs turn him into a table and i'm like sir right that's serial killer behavior (laughs) (laughs) but roach comes up with a very good idea sell him and get some money from him Mm -hmm. to ransom him back to the english yeah and so Mr. Buttons knows exactly where one would do that. And he goes off into a dramatic monologue. Anytime Mr. Buttons speaks, it's like he goes into his own world and just like the thousand yard stare. It doesn't matter if he is talking about the animals he's naming or 
you know, this Republic of Pirates, but he just gets this far away look and he just like looks like he's an oracle, like speaking, you know, prophecy. <laughs> and and Yoon Bremner, who plays Buttons, he does this acting thing where his head is tilted so far back and he's looking down his own face at the person he's talking to. It's <laughs> yeah. it's like he's always craning his head up to talk to someone taller, but he's looking at people who are his same height. And <laughs> it it has this very amazing, creepy effect. <laughs> but not everyone is thrilled to be going to the Republic of Pirates. Uh-huh. Mainly mainly olu and he's like oh no it's become quite touristy that's not a great place to go and and he and jim have kind of this like look between them and and i'm just like oh okay why why does olu not want to go and we find out it's because there's a price on jim's head and we find out that we find out that jim killed someone killed someone's husband and that's why there's a price on Jim's head. And <laughs> Jim is very cavalier about going back to this place. You mean that thing with her husband? The thing the thing where you killed him? Yeah. But yeah, it seems like Jim is not taking this threat seriously. And yeah. Olu is the only one who is. Because Jim, they aren't even phased that this person might be angry at them for killing her husband. Because... Apparently, Spanish Jackie has like 20 20 husbands. husbands. Well, 19 now. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're arguing about it. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say that basically I'm following along the same thing with you. Olu is so freaked out about this. And as they're arguing, Emily, where is Lucius in this scene? He is inside the trunk that they are sitting on. (laughs) And... And they're talking about him, and he's like, I promise I won't tell anybody. <laughs> and Jim wants to throw it overboard. <sighs> I am horrified by Jim. I'm horrified. Listen, I understand they're pirates. I get that. But I'm just like, the casual violence of it all the- is not my jam. <laughs> I think there's a difference between the comedy violence and the actual violence, though, right? Like, I think. Trying to think of how to phrase this. So there's time where violence happens, like in a cartoon, and you're not worried about the person on the other end of it. But then there's moments where there is, like, actual violence with scary, realistic consequences. And it's interesting to me when on this show it's funny violence. Like, I feel all of the stuff that happens in the Republic of of Pirates is this sort of larger-than-life cartoonish violence. And then at the end of this episode on the Spanish naval ship, uh, we get some, like, realistic, gruesome violence when Blackbeard's crew comes aboard. So, yeah, yeah this, this isn't me diminishing how you feel about the threats against lucius's life but i don't know i'm not worried about lucius as a character i think he i don't think he's in any real danger here you know because i think jim talks a big violence talk but i think they're a softie at heart so 
I'm interested to find out more about Lucius now that we're on this subject, because throughout the rest of the episode, when he is faced with the regular quote unquote pirate violence in Republic, the Republic of Pirates and everything, he seems horrified by it. Kind of like, I don't like it. It wouldn't be here. (laughs) Listen, I don't blame him. I'm not saying his reaction was, you know, out there. But I'm just intrigued to get a little bit more of Lucius's background Mm -hmm. because I just think that I'll be interested to find out how he became a pirate because, like I said, for Jim and Olu, it seemed like they had no choice. At least that's what they say. Yeah. Lucius is educated and he mentions that he was a bit of a pickpocket back in the day later in this episode. So maybe uh, he's running from the law. I will say Nathan Fode is the MVP of this episode is uh, both this line because Steve comes in and finds them all arguing and is like, why are you so sweaty? And Lucius does this amazing, um, we have been exercising. Face journey. We've been exercising together because we want our bodies to be smaller. Everything's fine. And like, y'all find this on YouTube so you can frame through it oh yeah if you hit the period and the comma keys on your keyboard you can frame by frame through a youtube episode if it's paused he makes millions of facial expressions delivering this one line and it's so good and it's so funny great job (laughs) great job nathan um but steed says i'm glad you're making friends but i need you to come and help me get ready (laughs) so lucius has been spared for now maybe someone else will try to kill him later but for now he seems okay (laughs) he's called on to to help him you know to help Mm -hmm. him get ready and they they pan the camera pans through the republic of pirates where there's fighting and people puking up blood and everything is this dingy like grays and blues and browns and just uh-huh. I mean it looks dirty and, and everyone's all scuffed up and, and the pirates getting off the ship are like oh yeah this place is like it was so much cooler what did, what did they say? Hold 10 on. years ago and the, they say it's touristy now oh no they say it's been gentrified it's been gentrified apparently it's too nice now <laughs> And they're like, oh, well, we'll go anyway. So they all get off. They all match perfectly. All the pirates are matching perfectly. And Steed shows up in this cream and white getup. Like he glows. (laughs) It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And he has a matching outfit for Lucius. And poor Lucius, the second he steps off the boat, someone comes up to him covered in blood and gets blood all over the guy's coat. And Lucius is just like, (laughs) (laughs) Steed's mad at Lucius. He's mad at Lucius for getting, for the other person getting blood on his coat. And in that moment, I'm just like, Lucius, I feel you so hard, sir. Like, I... I understand, like, the idea of wearing someone else's bodily fluids. Listen, I could not be a nurse or a doctor because I just can't do it, you know? You, and, you could be a and poor Lucius is just, no, I couldn't even do that. Yeah, you could just jump Lucius in the chlorine just... pool, wash it all off. <laughs> oh, I just felt, I feel, this is what, where I kind of started going, where is Lucius from? Because any other pirate would have been like, whatever, and used, you know, the sleeve to wipe snot off of his face or whatever but lucius is properly horrified Mm -hmm. 
So this is the first, listen, all the costumes in this show, amazing. Just absolutely incredible. But this white getup is the first one that I would like to own. I want this outfit. However, I want emblazoned in hot pink on the lower back. Check out this fabulous booty I'm hawking. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see that. Oh, and here the thing is like Steed. uh, I'm not going to call him stupid. Okay. Because calling people stupid is wrong. We get it. We get it. Nieces. Okay. Um, But he's so out of touch. He's so out of touch to him. This is still a game. I feel like he doesn't quite see this as real life yet. And so he's coming out completely out of place. He's made himself a target. And Lucius is trying to kind of say like, hey, we should rethink this. And Steed is just like, no, it's a power move. You show up. Oh, you know, you show up and suddenly everyone else thinks they're underdressed. And now you're in charge. And it's a great move for a different society. <laughs> yes, Megan. I think it's because he visualizes pirates as ideas instead of people. Ooh. That he is enamored with the fantasy of the pirate life. And he's he's recognizing everything that he's read in a book. Books won't kill you unless you do them very incorrectly. <laughs> but any of these people... You know, he's treating them as extras in a movie production. He's treating them as NPCs in a video game. Uh, It's like he's not registering them as real people. They're just set dressings for him to come and live his pirate fantasies. Man for sale. Man for sale. (laughs) Come and buy my booty. And everyone else can hear this. Yep. The crew leaves. They're like, no, we're not going to be here for this. But Lucius tries... Lucius tries to warn him obliquely, and Steed is not picking it up until a gentleman stops and tries to proposition them. Because clearly, to everyone else, it's clear that they're like, oh, so you're selling yourself. This is sex work. Yes? And Steed is like, I'm no prostitute, mate. (laughs) So, listen, he may be uh, landed gentry. (gasps) But he's got a lot to learn about being a pirate still. He is very bad at yes. this. Uh, but Jim discovers that they are a wanted criminal. Yep. How much are they wanted for? 50 doubloons. Which is a lot, right? It's 50 doubloons? Hold on. Yeah. I don't know how much a doubloon is. I would say... But Jim doesn't think it's enough. <laughs> yeah. I would say it's like $50. For a doubloon. I know. I... Marked up for inflation. Look up what a doubloon would be worth today. How much is a doubloon worth? The Spanish doubloon was a gold coin worth approximately $4. So there is a $200 bounty out for Jim. And they think it should be at least 1000 Oh, yeah. So it's called a doubloon. From the Spanish doblan, or double, because it is worth two $2 coins. But again, I was all set for Jim to be my favorite. And the only reason that I'm having an issue with them (laughs) is because they are doing things that I would not do. And it's giving me anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like how, like our slow introduction of Blackbeard, our, our understanding of Jim up to this point is calm, collected. 
killer. And now we're finding out they're a bit of a dumbass. <laughs> they're very reckless. Yeah, that they're not a one-note character. That they, you know, they are reckless. They have a temper. Uh, and they have a, a sense of pride in what they do. Because here's the thing. If they went to all this trouble to disguise themselves to in order to avoid being captured or caught i mean wax nose fake beard you know disguises of every kind and all of a sudden they're running headlong into spanish jackie's ale house because they're mad about anyways i just i didn't get it i wouldn't have even got off the ship if i were them but that is that is me and not the character of jim yeah so i think initially Jim wanted to be in disguise to, like, revisit the scene of the crime. To be like, ah ha ha, I'm the one that killed your husband and you don't even know it was me. But then when they... see that then. Then when they find out about the low, when they find out about the low bounty, they're pissed. (laughs) And so now they're going back to challenge Jackie or, like, trick her again um we do find out that jim is interested in retrieving the jimenez family dagger which oh i was gonna say which jackie's dead husband had and we find out a little bit more i don't know if i'm jumping too far ahead but we find out that the reason jim killed this person killed this man is because this man killed jim's family it wasn't just a random murder Mm -hmm. or anything it was revenge for the murder of their family. Revenge for the meek. Revenge for their bloodline. God's divine revenge. I mean presence. I mean presence. Jim was the true meaning of Christmas. Vengeance! (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Uh, But but we see more. I just... Oh. Oh, I was going to say, as Jim and Olu are headed to Spanish Jackie's, they run into Steed and Co., who've also arrived there. And another great bit from the show is Olu is trying and trying to convince the captain, you don't want to go in there. It's, like, horrible. You know, that's not that's not the clientele you're looking for. And the captain goes, oh, well, Jim's already gone inside. And Olu's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Jim. And Steed is acting like a tourist because he finds, like, like you know those Instagram walls where people go and take pictures? Oh, yes, I do. He finds something. I live in L.A. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. He finds something to pose next to, and he wants Lucius to sketch them as, like, a memento of their, like, with the British officer, he's like, here, let's have a memento of us being here together and us trying to sell you because we're having a really good time, aren't we? Yeah, like, this is, this is, again, Steed is living in the fairy tale of the moment. This, Steed is having a story and he's going to get some real world consequences pretty soon. Um, yeah, okay. because he, he goes into the place and he's just like, this is amazing. This is just like I pictured it. And there's people literally getting murdered in front of him. And he's just like, woo! Uh, while Lucius is the gold medalist best character in this episode, I would say Olu is a very close silver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He is trying to save his friend who is acting recklessly. Mm-hmm. 
All right. And Jim is not making it easy. Next set of lines from this episode that I quote to myself a bunch is Lucius's rehearsed introduction of Captain Steed. Yes. <laughs> hear ye, hear ye. Presenting now for his regional debut, the Brigand of Barbados, Cream of the Caribbean, the Gentleman Pirate. And Nathan, so good. Line delivery. So good of like, you can tell he wants to run away, but he's stealing myself, stealing himself to deliver the lines for his captain, who we can see mouthing along to the introduction behind the <laughs> pillar. In a turn of events, no one, quote unquote, recognizes Jim, but Olu instead is the one who is recognized which I thought was hilarious <laughs> that he's trying so hard to help Jim. And instead Olu is the one who's being pegged as, Oh, I didn't think you'd ever come back because you were the one who hired the maid or, or whatever. The maid that ended up killing Jackie's husband, who is played by Leslie Jones. Yeah. Love her. Welcome. I hope she, she shows up again. She's fabulous. She's fabulous. She's fabulous. Uh, so she, I can't remember if this was an interview or just something that she posted online um, after talking about her role in the show. Um, but she was approached to play a pirate in the show and she's like, am I going to get good boots? And yes, she does get good boots. They're not very visible in this scene, but they go like all the way up to her knees. Uh, this is the second outfit from the show that I very much want to have it is red velvet with this beautiful undershirt creamy lacy gorgeous gorgeous so we got we got two saturday night live alumna in this episode nope sorry two saturday night live alumni in this episode uh so leslie jones is playing spanish jackie uh but fred armison is playing geraldo uh, the barkeeper, and also one of Jackie's other husbands. <laughs> <laughs> Jackie has a wooden hand. I love it. I yeah. just love her character. Everything about her is so cool. And she she is very interested in Jim, just being like, oh, who's your sexy friend, you know? And 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 Olu is basically told everyone, he's a mute, he can't talk. Don't, don't even ask him any questions. And Olu is the best friend. He is the best, best friend you could have. And we we find out that Jackie has set up a, a shrine or a memorial to the husband that was killed. Yes, Megan. I want to rewind to Olu's, I think Olu's best line delivery of the episode. Olu played by Samson K.O. And Jackie's questioning Olu. Olu finally busts out, I killed her. I didn't like how she handled herself. I thought it were kind of gauche. <laughs> and Jackie's like, yeah, it was. <laughs> she mentions that the, that she, Jackie mentions that she has created this shrine to her dead husband that was murdered. And you just see this little like, ding, go off in Jim's eyes of like, I'm gonna go in there. Because they are looking for this very specific dagger um, that, that I believe they used to kill to kill this person and Olu is just his life is flashing before his eyes at this moment yes the dagger is 
not just special because it's what they use to kill him, but it is Jim's family's dagger. Got it. Got it. Which I'm, Jim freaks me out, but I want to learn more because I believe it's, it might be, I can't believe it's episode one or two, but we see Jim like throw a dagger and pin a bug to the ground. Like they have an eye. They're like Hawkeye in this universe, but with daggers. knives. (laughs) Which, which knives? So anyway, like I said, Olu's life is flashing before his eyes. And while that is all going on, Steed and Lucius larping the best he can and he's doing a real bad job at it oh this part was horrible so lucia's got a cup full of drinks thrown on him and uh they go up to the bar to get drinks he asks for wine they don't have any and says but what's this all over my boy and his blood they serve that as a drink here in the republic of pirates so seed asks for the strongest drink they have and emily I could not believe last episode how well you set me up for this joke. Because, Emily, what do they get served to drink? Okay, I'll say it. I'll say it. It's juice from the nose jar. So Spanish Jackie, apparently whenever she crosses paths with someone who upsets her, thwacks off their nose and just keeps it in a jar and lets it ferment and serves that as a drink in her establishment and what they both take a swig (laughs) because it's served to steed and lucius and lucius for the rest of the scene is just hunched over looking like he's gonna hurl his guts out which i don't blame him um several times you brought up that prop looks like it's from jabba's palace and it's the glassware with the stuff floating in it and everything i want to give a shout out right here to the art design and the art direction team so art direction is done by bradley rubin is the supervising art director and then also Brittany bradford and stephen dudrow this whole this whole show i mean costume design is done by christine wada wada w-a-d-a Emily, you're not allowed to look yet because of spoilers, but there are some really great behind-the-scenes Instagram photos of the makings of the costume. And there's, you know that pink robe I offhandedly mentioned earlier? Yeah. There have been fans who have been trying to source the very specific fabric for this robe to make their own copies of it, and it's just gorgeous. They're very talented cast and creators, very talented phantom there's something about this show that just makes people want to do art and i love it but anyway they have some juice from the nose jar and someone pipes up at the end of the bar that uh they have some colleagues in the nose jar and emily who's here it's izzy izzy has well not tracked them down but he's here to extend the invitation for him to come talk to his boss but Izzy never says who his boss is. So what does Steed do? He keeps playing the part and he's like, tell your boss he can go suck eggs in hell. And he's like, so you don't want to come meet with the boss. And Steed's like, no, I'm not. Geraldo ah! behind because the bar is like, oh my gosh. Because obviously everyone knows who Izzy Hans works for. And so he right. he thinks Steed is just, that Steve is a secret badass. 
And yeah, the the guy behind the counter, his estimation of Steve just goes. <laughs> another good. another line that lives in my head rent free is when steed and izzy are facing each other down and steed goes well iggy and he goes izzy whatever i don't care <laughs> he's really it's it's not hard to watch because I don't like secondhand embarrassment. Uh-huh. I, I physically cannot handle watching people have secondhand embarrassment. But in this case, it blends itself to the plot so well that I'm just like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. Because as the audience, it's so fun to see all the different layers that are going on. And it's great to have a character who's just like, I don't know. <laughs> right? And like, Con O'Neill, Izzy. Izzy and Steed are just such different people. And Izzy wants to kill him so bad. <laughs> Sorry, Izzy, maybe I'll get your chance one day. I'll, I'll tell my captain that you're declining, yeah? Or tell him he's got terrible taste in flunkies and he can go suck eggs in hell. <laughs> and he's so proud of this insult. This is like... So terrible, this insult that he's come up with. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Uh, Jim, meanwhile, as uh, Spanish Jackie is taking care of some other business, uh, Jim goes in the back to start investigating the altar to this husband. But unfortunately, they can't find the dagger. Spanish Jackie interrupts and starts to flirty flirt with this mysterious thief who's infiltrated her establishment. Dun, and dun, then we dun. find out it was Agatha all along. Da, 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 da. We don't. Not not till the end. But we will find that out. Uh, instead, Jackie is distracted by a smashing noise during a bar brawl. And Emily, what has been broken? the nose jar and all the noses are on the ground and Steed's down there picking them up. Help me. And Lucius is like, absolutely not. (laughs) There's only so much his captain can ask of him. And this is the line. He's he's hit his limit. So Jackie has her dagger at Steed's Steed's nose prepared to start. And is going to cut it off for the new nose jar. I'm Steed. He's the gentleman pirate (gasps) nathan your face is amazing does comedic acting amazing pinnacle i love it listen i didn't much care for lucius on my first watch through one because again i misinterpreted a live slug reaction meme and thought he was going to play a homophobe character (laughs) it is in fact the exact opposite (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh listen every every single pirate on the boat has incredible comedic acting chops i just love the very specific comedy niche that lucius plays it's so good <laughs> and uh we find this out later but but jim notices the dagger that uh jackie is holding realizes it is their family dagger lucius is I caught this the second time through now that, you know, I've seen it, but Lucius notices that this dagger has some significance to Jim. But that's all we that's all we really see. Um but yeah, Jackie's about to slice the nose off and 
uh, her husband comes up, Barkeep comes up and is like, uh, Izzy was in here. And his boss wants to talk to this guy. Like, it's an aside. I don't think, I don't think Steed hears this at all because he doesn't react. Because, but they realize that Blackbeard wants to talk to the gentleman pirate. And that is what makes Jackie say, fine, we're done. Get out. I never want to see you again. And the only reason he's not dead or Sans knows is Blackbeard. You're an idiot and you're banished. Do not darken my doorstep again. And it's the moment when Lucius squeezes past and he makes a moment of brushing up against Jackie. That's when he takes the dagger. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so they all flee. They get out of there. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, we see Izzy breaking the bad news to to Blackbeard that he's like, hey, he doesn't want to talk to you. I explicitly said Blackbeard wanted to talk to you. And Megan's just like, did you catch it? Did you catch it? He lied. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I got it. <laughs> Izzy has made one of the classic blunders. He is like, oh, I will do this to get to make Blackbeard angry to go after this guy and kill him like I want. But yeah. instead, he's just piqued Blackbeard's interest. Mm-hmm. And again, and it's also interesting. No, you say what you're going to say. No, you go. Mine's mine's just a little character thing. Oh, uh, I'm I'm talking more about the slow introduction of Blackbeard. The camera is closer oh. on him than it's ever been before, but we still don't see his eyes. You know, his hair is down, covering most of his face. So again, the buildup, the mystery, so that we don't see Blackbeard until the first time Steed sees Blackbeard, is. Such a good creative direction. I love it so much. I'd be interested to know if that was notated in the scripts or if this was something that the directors of the episodes discussed uh, leading up to it. Because it surprises me sometimes to watch a television show and be like, this episode is directed by this person. This this is directed by somebody else. But that would make sense just because if not, it's like you're directing a 10-hour movie and that's a lot yes Megan this is what the role of a showrunner is on a television series because you do have multiple directors who are the people on set choosing in the moment camera care you know actor blocking these these sorts of things um, and the role of a showrunner in a television series is to ensure a unifying voice across the project so you get this a lot in animation where this works on like several levels. So like an episode is boarded by three to four different storyboard artists. And then the director of the team is supposed to make sure that there's kind of like unifying voice across these four things, whether that's giving board artists specific notes or uh, covering redraws and reshoots with the revisionists because um, mm-hmm. animation directors also do, storyboarding fixes and revisions well then you'll have three separate teams of board artists working on episodes over the season and there's a supervising director above them who ensures that episode to episode keeps the consistent style and voice of the show and then at uh you have the show runner and they are the one who oversees final creative decisions for all of the departments 
and it's their job because listen film animation they are the biggest team projects that you can have and so a good showrunner is not a dictator they're instead like a team captain who lets people like bring their own voice and bring their own style to it and then just gives help and direction just in order to make sure things stay consistent throughout so this is all to say there's clearly very good communication between teams on this show because the episodes are all great and i think Wait, did Taika do episode two as well? Just a second. I'm checking. We're going on a tangent. Okay. Episode two and three were both directed by Nacho Vigalando. Taika directed the first episode. Then uh, Nacho directed the next three. And then Fernando Frias directed the next three. And then a uh, team of directors, a pair of directors known as Bert and Bertie, directed episodes eight and nine and then andrew de young directed episode 10 so they had a total of one two three four five they had a total of six directors over this 10 episode series but several directors did do multiple episodes in a row so they could build from one to the next to the next that's cool that's really cool yeah you're really cool thank you for watching the pirate show with me i'm having a great time I'm having a good time, too. I wanted to point out really fast, unless you were done with your director thing. I'm done. I think think the reason it always shocks me to have different directors is just because growing up, you read a series of books, Mm -hmm. and it's all by the same author. Mm -hmm. It's not like, you know, unless it's ghostwriting. That that kind of blew my mind when I found out about that later on Mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you you read a series, and it's all by the same author. Yeah. And, yeah. If you want complete creative control over a work, write a book. Because if you want to make a film or a movie, you've got to put your trust and your time in your crew. Because no one person can do literally everything on a movie without it taking years and years and years and years. You've got to be able to trust your team and, yeah, like... Listen, this is coming as no shock to anyone. My favorite movie are the behind the scenes of The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and the look into the sheer amount of hours and passion and creative power that so many different people brought to it. I love movies. I love TV. And I'm glad that's what I do for my job. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to job. this I like movie. hearing about it. Yeah, back to this movie. Yes, back to okay. this TV there's one particular line I want to flag, and it's Blackbeard saying, does he know who I am? <laughs> and Izzy says, scene two, yeah. And still he said no. <laughs> I also want you to notice that Izzy is this, he, he, I think he comes across as emotionless, but as we watch it, we can we we know that he's not emotionless. But he's sitting there having this conversation with Blackbeard, calm and cool as a cucumber, while he's actively playing with fire and burning himself. Emily, are you saying that by kicking this set of plot into effect, Izzy is playing with fire? <gasps> that is great uh-huh. oh 
Whoa! Yeah. Hey, look. Was that was that a de- uh, deliberate symbolism, or is that something that we, the readers, are bringing to the fiction we're interacting with? No one knows. Hey, Con O'Neill, <laughs> come on our podcast. <laughs> I have questions about Izzy. <laughs> I have things. Okay, do you know what? We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later in the show. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. We'll probably never see Izzy hands again. <laughs> Probably never. <laughs> but we find out later, uh, they, everyone has gone back to the ship, and the barkeep, what is his character name? I know his real name. What's the character's name? Geraldo. Geraldo. Has come to them saying, hey, I know who will buy your your English officer. Uh, why don't you come with me? You know, he's like, he's listing off like, you come, and and. Jim needs to come and all of these things. And, and he's, go ahead. You said when we were watching this, when he's like, oh, we need to bring, you know, bring that crew member along. They seem tough. You said, uh-oh. You were watching. And you're yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because he, I was just waiting for something to go wrong. Because so far there have, there had been mishaps. Which was par for the course, but there was never one big thing that went wrong. And I was just kind of waiting for that. And I'm just going, oh, no, we've learned a lot about this character. We've really started to like them. This guy, this Geraldo, is a friend, husband of Jackie's. I was pretty sure he suspected something because it just looked like everyone was putting the pieces together. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so and again, with the with but, the setup and payoff structure of these episodes at the very beginning, Olu's like a wax nose and a fake beard aren't going to fool Jackie. And throughout the whole episode, it seems like she is completely fooled. But it was Agatha all along. She wasn't fooled <laughs> for like even a moment before we jump into what's happening on the Spanish ship. Um, I want to talk about the scene where Lucius gives the dagger back. Uh, which yeah. which is enough to make Jim stop trying to kill him. And uh, Jim grabs Lucius by the lapels and is like, no, this is a good friend. And then Jim kisses him. But after the kiss. And the little look that they yeah. they just like, they just look at Olu and just like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up is that little look because obviously – that kiss was not for Lucius. That kiss was to, I don't want to say punish Olu, but it's, it, to me, it read as, if you had helped me out, I would have kissed you instead. Now what are you going to do? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then, Lucius. So would that be crazy if I was suddenly, like, into Jim? <laughs> Listen, I've had friends like that where, like, all of a sudden, one tiny little thing happens. They're like, that's it. I'm I'm into this person. <laughs> Listen, I don't see people very often. <laughs> okay, that sounded really weird. And like, uh, I do <laughs> I do work from home and I don't have roommates. And whenever I see my friends, and I have one group of friends that are especially physically affectionate that like, they want to hold my hand and they want to hug me and they want to lean on my shoulder. And I'm always like, Okay, touch starved artist. I need you to chill for like one second and think this is not a 
romantic <laughs> overture. This is just you're hanging out with your friends. So can you stop writing wedding songs in your head, please? <laughs> when I when I came back from Disney World, so I used to work as let's just say a professional giver of hugs at Disney World. <laughs> Uh, and I was, let's see, I, I knew the Disney characters inside and out. Wink, wink. <laughs> so I worked there for a while and I was like giving something like four to 500 hugs every single day. And then I moved back to college and I just didn't physically interact with people anymore. And so I remember there were several days where I just turned to one of my roommates and I'm like, I know this is so weird. Can I just give you a hug for a while? And she was like, I'm not sad or anything. I know. It's actually for me. I'm so sorry. Because <laughs> our family is very physically affectionate. Like, if you if you set any number of us sisters on the couch watching a movie, you're going to end up with, like, somebody's head on someone's shoulder and someone, like, lying across the legs or, like, arms intertwined and all that sort of stuff. And... Hey, physical affection, good, actually. Thank you for listening to this tangent where I talk about the importance of uh, tactile connection between human beings. You also came back from Florida with altitude sickness. Oh, yeah. I got dizzy going up a set of stairs because I don't know if you guys know this about Utah, but there's mountains. (laughs) We're way high up in the air. Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't it be crazy if I'm suddenly like into gym? So we're going over to meet the Spanish. Roach is also coming. Roach has prepared. What has Roach prepared? What has Roach? Oh, they've prepared tapas, which means small plates. Yeah, <laughs> the I Spanish apparently love them. <laughs> Here is something fun. The actor for Roach, the actor for Roach, Samba, is a chef in real life. He cooks oh, really? incredible foods. Emily, you mentioned there's one thing you know about this show is that there's a cake involved. Yes. The actor has developed a recipe for the specifically mentioned cake and published it on his Instagram. So maybe next time you and I hang out, we can make this specific cake. That sounds great. But they're rowing up and they, they find out that they are giving the English officer over to the Spaniards. The Spanish Navy. Yeah. So they get up, they have their little rowboat and everyone else climbs up aboard and and steed is just like basking in this moment about the world is about to witness the gentleman pirate's first business transaction and he's all like lucius you got to get ready to sketch this like he's so excited he's still in his little fantasy larping world it's just gonna go so great because the ladder that they've he gets to climb up is a steady solid ladder cut into the boat and he's not like flailing all over he's just so excited <laughs> he gets to climb up this ladder oh. and then and then I was shocked yeah I was shocked at this because he gets up over the side of the deck and listen I should have known this was coming because all the storm clouds have rolled in uh-huh. the like the weather is bad it's just foreshadowing and he realizes his men are being held hostage. He gets stabbed in the stomach. Gut stabbed. And I gasped. And poor Steed 
is gushing blood. He goes, did you mean to do that? Like, he's so confused. Because, again, this doesn't fit his imagery of what this encounter is going to be. This is not his ideal trade situation. I want to talk a little bit about the stab. First of all, audience, I'm so sorry. I was too slow on... Emily and I were video calling each other. We were watching it. I was too slow on my screen cap. Emily claps both hands over her face and just leans all the way back in her chair. And she's staring wide eyed at the screen for like the next 30 (laughs) seconds. And I'm trying to get my silly old computer that I love to screen caps on. Whatever. So I'm going to talk about the sound design of the stab itself because this is a thing. It was... It was yeah. a loud stab noise, but this is yeah. a thing, and it's it's a little pet peeve of mine in medical dramas as well, how loud sound designers make people getting cut. And I, <laughs> everyone, I want you to just chill out again. I am not a serial killer, torturer, murderer person. <laughs> I just know things and you don't have to worry about how I know. But a sharp knife does not make a lot of sound stabbing into a person. And usually the very metallic shing noise of a stab or the of a scalpel cutting open someone on a medical drama. That, of course, is an additional sound added in because things happen so quickly. A lot of times you need to reinforce multiple times what is happening with both the visuals and the sound design itself because our senses process things differently. You know, it takes about eight frames of visuals for our eyes to process an image. And when I say eight frames, that is about a third of a second. So if the action and the editing is too fast, your brain literally can't process what's happening. And that may be why some of you have felt confused watching an action movie with a ton of like super quick cuts in it. Um, One of the ways that they counteracted this in the Mad Max Fury Road movie is even though their cuts were very quick, they always kept the point of focus for your eyes as dead center in the screen as possible. So your eyes didn't have to move, adjust, and then interpret every new shot. They could stay in one place and your brain could keep processing the action as it was focused on the center of the screen. So this is all to say that usually when someone gets stabbed with a knife in real life, it's quiet, but in movies, it has a particular shink metallic noise and they play it up almost to an exaggerated effect in this episode and it is foreshadowing for something later in the show so don't worry about it emily it's yeah (laughs) it's just you're gonna have to finish the story for me but if i recall correctly in behind the scenes of lord of the rings uh when peter jackson was directing when saruman gets stabbed from behind and he's just like this is how i want you to play it um the actor that plays saruman is explaining well, people don't make that kind of noise when they get stabbed. And Peter Jackson has this realization of, oh, this man was in the war. This man knows what he's talking about. This man was in uh, special forces during the war. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah, because I, I think 
I think Peter wanted him to go like, ah, and then Christopher Lee's like, no, no, no. The air just all rushes out of you in a shock. It's more like, <gasps> Peter Jackson's like, oh, he's, he stabbed a man before. <laughs> <laughs> I have never stabbed someone. Okay. Okay. Yet. And even if I did, people aren't made of metal. Okay. Knife go in. When a knife goes into a person, the the sound effect noise they use is a knife going into a sheath, okay? And like, it's the sound of a sword being drawn or being clicked back into a sheath because the metal is scraping against the material of the sheath. Human, human flesh soft noise, okay? <laughs> human flesh soft noise! <laughs> but as uh, Steed goes down... Like you said, gushing blood all over his pristine white uniform that's been perfect. Almost as perfect as his idealization of the life of a pirate. It is now getting completely ruined. And yeah, it's not just a little trickle of blood. There's <laughs> rivulets. <laughs> so much. So at this, Geraldo reveals that Jackie wanted something from Jim. And in front of everyone, he peels off Jim's fake nose and everyone is screaming because they think that he's cutting Jim's nose off for realsies. <laughs> Roach especially is horrifying. Yeah. Because it sort of registers for everyone else once the nose is gone, but then he starts to peel off Jim's beard and then Roach is still screaming. <laughs> And it's revealed that Jim has been in disguise this whole time. Steve asks Roach, did you know? Roach is like, how would I know? And then what does Lucius say? <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, thank goodness. I, I, I didn't know I could keep that secret much longer. He's so relieved. In this moment of panic, big, bad, everything is going wrong. Captain dying on the deck. He's so relieved that he doesn't have to keep this secret anymore. <laughs> I just love that. I love that he needs to straighten out his priorities. So uh, Steed is strung up to be hanged by the neck until dead. And they ask if there are any last words. And Jim has and some. And Jim is awful. Emily. Listen, not Captain Steed's fault this happened. Yes, not it Captain is. Not Captain Steed's fault that... No, 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 no. Here, would you can you okay, listen can sorry, i talk sorry, can sorry. i be a part of this podcast yes, please co-host with me <laughs> i think steve or i think jim is super mad about the identity that that they didn't really fool jackie and I think they are taking it out on Steed unfairly. Yes, it's a terrible situation. Yes, Steed is to blame. Okay, I yeah. didn't say anything was. I mean, for Jim's specific situation, they are taking their anger out on other people when it's not something that Captain Steed could have done. Jim's actions directly caused what is happening. Okay, yeah. I also think, and I mentioned this when we were watching the episode, I think this is a meta line as they're saying you are the worst pirate captain in history it over what happens next i actually had you close Megan your eyes. made me close my eyes as previously mentioned she knows me so well emily's delicate she doesn't like I violence 
I don't. But the... I don't like individualized violence. Like, people getting stabbed, sure. But Captain Steed, we already know how I feel about him. Yes. Anyways, Megan was kind enough to shield me from this. Well, as the uh, Spanish naval captain is mocking Steed, he is blasted directly off the deck by a cannonball. And in uh, and a crew of pirates jumps on board. In the following chaos, I want to jump back to Black Pete's story in episode two about Blackbeard's crew coming on board. Okay, so these scenes were both directed by the same guy, uh, by Nacho Vigolando. The difference in lighting and cinematography between the two of them, we talked about the storybook feel of the first one. It's all brightly lit. It seems, you know, staged very flat that this is is very sanitized and fantasized storytelling violence. And then you compare it with this shot of Steed strangling in the foreground. Reese Darby, your facial acting, amazing. And they cut to literally his point of view and we're getting lens artifacts, which is when light hits the lens in a certain way that almost like looks like there's dirt or grime on the lens that we're seeing through. And the darkness, like the literal low light level and smoke and violence of everything that's going on around him, that this is steed really experiencing the life of piracy for the first time Mm -hmm. and as he's blacking out he's imagining his wife and his kids and then someone cuts the rope by which he is hanging Mm -hmm. and emily and he's laying there on the deck and you know there's flames everywhere and smoke everywhere and Blackbeard comes out of the smoke, full body shot, not just like, you know, his knees and then Steed passes out. It's he sees Blackbeard for who he is, this menacing pirate, the the yeah. ideal pirate. And, you know, it's all it's all out of focus and slow motion. And again, to the sound design people, his Footsteps are so low. The sound of him walking across the deck is like boom, boom. And he stands above Steed and Emily, what does he say? He says, the gentleman pirate, I presume. (laughs) And Steed is laying there having been hung, almost died, got stabbed. And he goes, you've heard of me? Like he. He's so, like, like, he's so excited. (laughs) And then we get the first shot of Blackbeard's face. And it is done explicitly from Steed's point of view. Camera straight on to him. Him looking directly into the lens. Mirroring back to the pilot episode in the uncomfortable dinner situations, both with Nigel and with Mary. It's that same camera angle But this time, it's like, it's personal instead of judgmental. So it's like Steve's had these memories. And and Steve flashed back to that exact shot of memory, uh, sorry, exact shot of Mary while he was hanging. Of this straight on Mm -hmm. shot looking into this person's eyes. And he's had disdain from Nigel. And he's had disdain from Mary. And he's had disdain from his father. Because also, the lily-livered little rich boy shot is the same setup. And instead... Blackbeard gives him an affirmation. Oh, yeah, I've heard of you. 
I've heard all about you. And then... And Steed, like, passes out with a smile on his face, (laughs) like... As our prayer by the Beach Boys starts to play. (laughs) Anyway, I love it. I love it. That was episode three! Okay. That's a good episode! So, wrapping up our little episode, uh, Emily, it's time to play historical fact or historical fiction. Okay. Who of the characters introduced in this episode do you think is a historical person? I'm hoping it's Spanish Jackie. Is it? You are Is it? Correct. Yes! 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 <laughs> I was actually going to ask you that when we watched it, but I forgot to do that. I was so glad I know that. What what was her story? Do you know? So, um, she is most likely based on uh, just say. So there wasn't an actual pirate whose name was Spanish Jackie, but she is most likely based on the pirate Jacot. De la High, oh my gosh, J, okay, help me, French-speaking sister, J-A-C-Q-U-O-T-T-E, Jaquette? Sure, I would need, listen, you need to see I'm it. I'm a visual learner, remember, <laughs> I need right. to see things. It's all right, so, uh, we're going to say Jaquette De La Haye, a legendary figure from an island that would become modern-day Haiti, who took over the Caribbean island of Tortuga and made it into a freebooters republic or the Republic oh, of Pirates. Get it, lady? Now, Jaquette uh, was not someone with 20 husbands. Uh, she had a partner, Anne, a French lady pirate. Um, so I'm taking this from a, an article from Screen Rant which is our flag means death was Spanish Jackie, a real person. So Spanish Jackie was probably inspired by this character who turned Tortuga, which is a real Island into the freebooters Republic or Republic of pirates. So there you go. There's the historical equivalent. And there is something else in this episode that was historically important, but I'm going to save it for our discussion of episode four, because there is a, follow-up connection to it in the next episode but emily perfect tell me your tell me your immediate predictions for episode four i have got to think there's going to be more deliberate misunderstandings that izzy causes that i don't think he's going to get called out in this particular episode for lying to his boss i think black pete Something's going to happen with him. I want to see how Blackbeard reacts to him. Oh, I don't even know if they're going to go back to to Steed's ship. They might just take him straight back to the Pirate King Blackbeard ship. Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going on in the revenge? I have no idea. So Blackbeard is now in the story. This hyper-violent, murdering, greatest pirate of all time, fearsome outlaw. Uh, how are he and lily-livered little rich boy Steve Bonnet going to get along? I think Blackbeard's going to be fascinated by him. Okay. Just like Steed is fascinated by 
Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also going to be some shock moments of, oh, this is really a pirate's life. Do I want this? Okay. All right. Well, uh, everyone, thank you for tuning in to our episode of Our Flag Means Death. You can catch us next week covering episode four, Discomfort in a Married State. Ooh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And I wish all of you a very pleasant, a very pleasant week. And we will watch this next episode and then we shall talk it through as a crew. Thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Good night. Thanks again for tuning in, everybody. We are always glad to have you around to talk chip about pirates. This coming Thursday, June the 23rd, we will be airing our Warbreaker special over on our Stormlight Archive feed. And this is the last interlude episode before we finally get into Words of Radiance, so we're very excited. And friend of the pod, Ted, actually came on board for our Warbreaker special, so that's going to end up being really fun. We will be back with episode four of Our Flag Means Death on Tuesday, June the 28th. And then the Thursday after that, June 30th, you can tune in to our upcoming Roswell episode discussing season two, episode three. Oh, so Emily and I have finally been posting episodes on our assorted feeds for a whole year. That's so exciting. That makes me so happy. So maybe to celebrate our anniversary, you could tell one person in your life or internet friend sphere. That's your life, right? We all live on the internet. Maybe you could tell one person about our show. And hey, if you enjoy listening to us, maybe they will too. I'm going to bow out, but uh, thank you again for listening. And I hope you have a great day and accomplish everything you want to accomplish. I know you can, because I believe in you.